Welcome to the NASCAR Field Filler Podcast. Check out our new website for all your news, updates, and episodes at NASCARfieldfiller.com. We have one spot left in the field, so let's fill up the last row with our host, Vanilla Wafers. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the back of the field. This is Vanilla Wafers, and thank you for tuning in to the Field Filler Podcast. Halfway done with Speed Weeks. We got the Bush Clash done, the Daytona 500 qualifying, as well as the Blue Greens Vacation Duels. Those are all in the books. We still have the Truck Series race, the Xfinity race, and of course the biggest one, the Daytona 500. It is time to look back at some of the races that have already went down, what to look forward for in the next couple of days. It's a quick recap. Let's first start off with the Bush Clash on Tuesday. Ah, yes, the race that was left for dead. It was announced earlier last year that they would be changing the Bush Clash from the regular oval to the road course, mostly due to the fact that it was nothing but wreckfest after wreckfest at the Bush Clash. So they decided to move it onto the 3.61 mile uh, road course. I almost said oval there. And people were not happy with it. They thought it was going to be a horrible race, there was going to be no action involved. And in fact, it was almost kind of the exact opposite. It was a really good race. I personally enjoyed it. It came down to the very end between Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney, and they both took each other out like it was a 2018 Roval between Jimmy Johnson and Martin Trex Jr., almost the exact same thing, and then Kyle Busch was able to sneak by for the victory, and Dalton Good on Twitter decided to celebrate like a crazy man. Good for him. Kyle Busch is the winner of the first race of the season, the Bush Clash. Finishing second was the number nine of Chase Elliott. Finishing third was the 22 of Joey Logano. Fourth place was the number eight of Tyler Reddick. Fifth place, William Byron in the 24. Sixth place, the number 11 of Denny Hamlin. Seventh place, the number 48 of Alex Bowman. Eighth place, the number 43 of Eric Jones. Ninth place, the number 47 of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And round out the top 10, the number 21 of Matt Benedetto. Some noticeable drivers who finished outside the top 10 were Ty Dillon in the number 23 machine. Running near the front, kind of choked there at the end finished 18th, and then two cars that didn't finish on the lead lap was Cole Custer, who basically went up in flames in the final turn, but was able to get the car back out on the field. Don't know how that happened. And then Martin Trex Jr. finishing 21st after he wrecked on the back straightaway while he was leading the race. Oh, so tragic on that. But let's look at a lot of the positives here. First things first, it gave us good racing. It wasn't uh, really a wreck fest where everyone wrecked their cars. Yes, there was some cars that got some damage, but not nearly as bad as we've seen in the past. And also, the racing wasn't boring. Yes, it was stretched out at times, but there was always someone battling it out for the lead, which was good. Denny Hamlin led 21 laps, but there was also another seven drivers who led that race. And honestly, there were four to five drivers who were in contention. That's exactly what we needed. And Chase Elliott finishing second. I know there's a lot of Chase Elliott fans out there and not many Kyle Busch fans out there. In fact, a lot of people don't like Kyle Busch. But this is what we needed from a road course race. Chase Elliott was dominating these races left and right. And so was Martin Trex Jr. And we finally needed somebody else besides those two drivers. And we finally got that. And I'd say, you know, it was a really good effort by NASCAR to change it up. I don't know if this is the way they should do it from here on out. We've seen what has happened beforehand when they find something and it just so happens to be good. Beginner's luck. NASCAR seems to get really lucky on that. I feel like they need to try something maybe a little bit different next year. 
I still like Slapshoe's idea of doing the back straightaway on the there the little short track that they did for the Wheelie Modified. I don't think they'll do that. Maybe they'll do another road course, but I don't think this is like a stick it. This is the way it should be from here on out. I'm grateful that the racing was good, but there was a chance that it was going to be a really boring race. A lot of the fans before like the halfway point said, yeah, this race sucks. And if that does happen again, except for both ends, or maybe it switches around where the beginning's crazy and then the ending's boring, then nobody will care about the Bush Clash and everyone will hate it from here on out. So this is what I say to you, NASCAR. I give you a thumbs up. It was a good idea to make the change for this year. However, be ready for a backup plan because I don't think it's going to be like this every single year if you decide to stay with the road course. Just take that into consideration. All right, now let's move on to Daytona qualifying. Okay, so let's look at how everyone did in qualifying. So there's really only kind of four people that really matter when it comes to Daytona 500 qualifying, and that is the person who got the pole, the person who finished second, and then the two open charter cars that were the fastest. So let's look at those guys. The one who got the pole was the number 48 of Alex Bowman with a time of 47 seconds, 0.056 at 191 miles per hour. Nobody was close to that. In fact, second place, which was William Byron, his partner, was 190.219, almost a full mile per hour faster than second place. Alex Bowman had a rocket of a car, and the number 48 and 24 will start on the front row, according to Wednesday. You'll see what I mean here in a little bit, why I say it like that and then the two open charter cars that were able to qualify their way in was the number 37 of ryan priest for jtg daughtry racing as well as the number 36 of david reagan in front row motorsports both those drivers qualified eighth and 13th and was able to get ahead of austin sindrick who was third kaz grala in the number 16 who was fourth out of the open charter cars then ty dillon Garrett Smithley, Timmy Hill, and Noah Gregston. Noah Gregston and Derek Cope were the only two drivers who did not put up a qualifying time due to particular car problems. I'm not exactly sure what happened there. Now, before we get on to the Gatorade duels, let me just show you something. Cody Ware, Joey Gase, Josh Balicki, and Derek Cope. They qualified 40th, 41st, 42nd, and 43rd in Wednesday qualifying. Cody Ware's time was 179.73. Joey Gase's time was 177.76. And then Josh Balicki in the number 52 was 176.72. Derek Cope was 0.00 because, like I just said earlier, he was not able to get out into the track. But just remember that these times are more than 12 miles per hour slower than your pole sitter. And then if you look up to like the top 35, let's throw Corey LaJoy right in there he qualified 35th he had a speed time of 184.5 35th the 40th is about five miles per hour slower and these guys all are locked into the daytona 500 just keep that in mind when we look at the blue green vacation duels Okay, let's look at the Thursday duels here. There were two of them, and this is what determines the field lineup for the Daytona 500 from third on back, and which two open charter cars will compete in the great American race. Let's focus on the first one real quick. This is the one that have a lot of people talking about it due to some controversy. Let's first focus on the winner. The winner of this race was Eric Amarola, so he will start in row number two on the inside in that number 10 machine with Christopher Bell in second, Ryan Newman third, 4th Joey Logano, 
Fifth, Ryan Priest. Sixth, Ty Dillon. Seventh, Kyle Larson. Eighth, Daniel Suarez. Ninth, Mike McDowell. And tenth, Jamie McMurray. Not too much happened in this race. Uh, one noticeable driver who uh, left the track on lap 14 was the number 52 of Josh Balicki for overheating problems. He only competed in 14 out of the 60 laps. So not only was he one of the slowest cars out on the racetrack for qualifying, but he also didn't even run one-fourth of his duel. Cody Ware finished four laps down in the 21st position. Alex Bowman actually finished four laps down as well as they had to look underneath the hood because it looked like they were having engine problems. However, it looks like on Twitter that Chat announced confirmed that the car seems to be fine. They will still be starting on the front row with that number 48 machine. There will be no changes that need to be made as of this time. Now, most people are focusing on the fifth and sixth place car. That is Ryan Priest and Ty Dillon. As you said, as I mentioned, Ty Dillon finished sixth in this dual race, which is a really good finishing position. He is not going to be in the Daytona 500 as Ryan Priest was able to pass him in the last few hundred yards of this race. And since an open charter car who already qualified their way into the race was the highest finishing one in this duel out of the open charters, that means the third fastest car from qualifying will get the provisionals into the race, which is the number 33 of Austin Sindrick finishing 16th place. A lot of people are very confused on this. A lot of people are very upset. One person that I know is really upset that you should give a listen to. He's a really good YouTuber. That's David Land. I love watching his videos, but he really talked about this, and it really uh, frustrated him. And here's the reason why. Ty Dillon finishes 6th, and Austin Dillon finishes 16th. How is that even possible? Even NASCAR drivers are really confused. Here's the reason why this happens. If you ever watch NASCAR, well, not counting this year and last year, the field has always been determined based on qualifying for every single race except for the Daytona 500. It's all about qualifying speed to make your way into the race. How it's always set up here for the Daytona 500 with the charter setup is the top two open charter teams are locked in based on their qualifying speeds. Then the other spots will be determined by the duels. Now, one thing to keep in mind is the qualifying speeds will have a provisional over the blue-green vacation duels finishing positions. And what I mean by that is this. If let's, – let's actually go back. Let's do a good example here. Remember the championship provisionals? Um, if you've been uh, in racing for quite a few years, you would notice that Terry Labonte and Bill Elliott, when they were with lower teams, would try to race their way in based on speed. And if they weren't able to race their way in, they would use a championship provisional. Terry Labonte would sometimes beat out Bill Elliott. I remember this specifically because it happened in the Daytona 500 where Bill Elliott was not able to run the race because Terry Labonte had to use that championship provisional. The reason why Terry Labonte got it and not Bill Elliott was Terry Labonte was a more recent champion than Bill Elliott. Terry Labonte winning the championship in 1996. And then also Bill Elliott, I do believe he won the championship in 1988. So, why did I use this as an example? Well, here's the reason why. So, look at these qualifying spots as championship provisionals, except instead of just only one getting in, two of them get in. If they don't have to use that speed provisional, it will be moved on to the next person over, which it would be the third fastest car and the fourth fastest car. Now, unfortunately, Ryan Priest did edge out Ty Dillon in the few hundred yards. 
But since he does not have to use that speed provisional anymore, since he raced his way into the vacation duels, that means it's going to get moved on back to the third person in speed. They now have the provisional, which would be Austin Sinrick, who finishes 16th. This, it's an absolute bummer for Ty Dillon, and, I sh- and I'm not saying that Austin Sinrick sh- should be in. That is not something I'm going to argue about here, because he was the third fastest, he earned that spot. If Ty Dillon wanted that spot more, he should have qualified better. Sorry, that's just the way it is. The one thing I have a problem with Ty Dillon missing this race is the fact that he's not going to race his way in, but you have two cars who didn't even finish on the lead lap that are going to be racing their way into the Daytona 500 with no fear, which is Josh Balicki and Cody Ware. That is something that pisses me off because they've been some of the slowest cars this entire week. They show that there are no contention of winning this race. They show that they're going to be no factor, no help for anybody, in no shape or form. And the only reason they're in is because they got a charter with Rick Rare Racing. And Rick Rare Racing has not really even been inside the top 32 in points ever since they got the charter. Why is that even fair? These smaller teams, these open charter cars, which by the way, this was a really, really good open charter team. Probably one of the best ones that we've seen in years, if not the greatest one. I mean, we knew that one of these drivers was going to be missing this race, but we couldn't even fathom the idea of one of these guys missing the race. And just because they don't have nearly as much money as Rick Rare Racing because they can't bid on those charters, they're not going to be able to run this race. Not Ty Dillon, not Timmy Hill from this race, and that is absolutely frustrating if you are a fan of these smaller teams or field fillers who are just trying to do their best to make it in. Because basically what we've had is field fillers who are even slower than these open charter cars that just buy their way in because they're throwing all their money into the charter system. This has been an absolute bogus thing, and I know what NASCAR is saying. Well, more people are interested in the charters. Yeah, that's because it's a guaranteed starting spot in these races. They don't got to worry about their sponsorships missing the show. Not only that, but you've already taken away money from these open charter teams who are trying to race their way in every single time. So why wouldn't someone want to throw money over there? Because they know if they throw that money there, they're at least going to get a tiny bit more money from their results, even if they finish worse than those other teams. And the other argument here is, oh, well, since they bought this charter, that means they're guaranteed to be in every single race. Um, that means they should get it. If they paid for it, they should be in the starting spots. Okay, with, with sports, it doesn't really work like that. And here's the reason why it doesn't work. Let's say you're trying to put a football team together and you got an amazing running back. you got an amazing wide receiver. It does, this goes for any sport. And you got to throw in this one player who's absolutely garbage because their parents said that they bought a spot on the team, so that player must be on your first team regardless. Now you've made your team look absolute shit. And this is what NASCAR has done with their product. You get some people who just have a lot of money, who buy their way in, and now all of a sudden we got some cars that shouldn't be out there that are locked in for every single race. Kind of like if a football team, you could buy a position, throw your kid on there, even though they have no experience or they're really, really behind the ball. They can still be on that front team because guess what? They bought their way in. Let me tell you, that doesn't work here in sports, and it's another reason why, right here, this is a perfect example why this kind of stuff does not work. Get rid of the charter. 
teams are losing money, the ones that are buying into the charters, and the teams that do have charters, they're screwing open charter teams who can't afford them, even though they have better equipment. It's ridiculous. That's all I'm going to say with that. It's a shame that Ty Dillon didn't make it in, but I know why he didn't make it in because of that reason, because of the qualifying speed for the provisionals for the open charter teams. But I really feel like it should be all based on speed. Kind of what David Land said. It's all about qualifying. It doesn't matter who you are, less you're a champion. I, I feel like a champion provisional is a really good one to have. That's just me personally. But it should be the fastest, the best cars, not the cars with the most money running this event. Because let me tell you something. Noah Grayson and Ty Dillon, they may be factors in this race if they were able to qualify their way in. But you know damn well that Starcom Racing, Rick Rare Racing, or any of those other teams down there that ran at speed of 182 or lower, you know they're not going to be there at the end. We Because they're just not going to stay with the pack. That's all I got to say with that. Now let's move on to duel number two. Alright, so Blue Green's Vacation Duel number 2 took a lot longer to get started than the first race due to the fact that there was rain involved. And then also while the jet dryers were out there, one of the jet dryers got loose, fell all the way to the ground, pipe got stuck into the ground. There's there's a joke right there somewhere. I don't know exactly what it is. Probably something to do with Montoya. But anyways, it was between Austin Dillon and Bubba Wallace on the last lap. And in the end, it was Austin Dillon able to get the victory in that number three machine. He will be starting on the outside row of row number two, possibly moving his way forward due to the fact that William Byron got into an accident. Even though he led 34 laps, he is also on the outside of row number one. He will more than likely have to go to a backup car and he will no longer start in the front row. So that should probably be replaced by Austin Dillon. Finishing second was the number 23 of Bubba Wallace. Third place was the number 4 of Kevin Harvick. Fourth place, the number 18 of Kyle Busch. Fifth place, the number 9 of Chase Elliott. Sixth place, the number 12 of Ryan Blaney. Seventh place, the number 7 of Corey LaJoy. Eighth place is number 36 of David Reagan. Ninth place is number 1 of Kurt Busch. And round out the top 10, the number 17 of Chris Busher. Noticeable drivers who finished behind there was Martin Trex Jr. in the number 19. Led nine laps, was there in the final couple of laps. However, got stuck in the middle, so he got shuffled all the way back. And then William Byron, Ross Chastain, Anthony Alfredo all got into an accident later in the race, as well as Chase Briscoe, Garrett Smithley, and Noah Gregston, which means that the number 16 of Kaz Grala, he was the second highest finishing person from the duels, but David Reagan finished in front of him, but of course, since he had that provisional, it now goes to the fourth person, which was Kaz Grala. so Kaz Grala is in the Daytona 500, and then Garrett Smithley and Noah Gregston are out, so that means MBM Motorsports, uh, they entered two cars in, and neither of them made it into the race. That is a big bummer for this team. Carl Long, the owner of this team, said he was very disappointed in it. Um, he knew that these guys raced their heart out, which they did. I mean, Garrett Smithley was there right at the end. Just a mistake, a little too early, collected Brad Keselowski, and then it just led to a bunch of problems right there. Got him into an accident. They were out of it. But... This is bad for this team. This team is now going to try to play catch-up because I don't think they're going to make it into the road course because we already know that number 16 car is going to be there. And now that the car is qualified in, it's going to be ahead of the number 66 machine. And then we'll see what happens at Homestead. I do believe they'll have a spot open there. But now this team is on the outside looking in. And they already said themselves. They know that the open charter cars, they don't get nearly as much pay as they did last year. So they're struggling. And I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that they're able to get some good finishes at Homestead or maybe find some good sponsorship because they're they're now struggling. 
they're on the outside looking in, and this team is definitely going to be one that's going to do whatever they can to stay in the sport. There's no doubt about that. Noah Gregson, the number 62, yeah, it is a big bummer to see this team miss it. But at the same time, it's kind of a little good in a sense for um, NASCAR. And here's the reason why. I got nothing against Beard Motorsports. I love this team. It's an absolute great team. But they said that this is probably going to be their final race in the Cup Series. Their owner passed away tragically, uh, Mark Beard Sr. Um, may he rest in peace. And thoughts or prayers are with his family. The thing that I'm trying to say is these other teams are doing whatever they can to run the full season. And for a team that's saying they're just going to do one and done really affects those other teams' chances. I would rather see some teams that are going to keep moving on, make these races so that they have an opportunity to. So someone like David Reagan, yeah, it's great for front row motorsports. But if MBM makes it in, you know that, hey, we got to lock in for some more cars trying to run for maybe 2022 on forward. Uh, David Reagan, number 36, he's a one and done guy. That's just the way it is. So that's a bit of a bummer there. But the number 16 making it in, I'm pretty happy on that because we know they're moving on full-time. Gaunt Brothers Racing, really wish they could have made it in. But unfortunately, due to the provisionals, that's just the way it works for them. Gaunt Brothers, though, will more than likely be locked in for the next race of the Daytona Road Course due to the fact that they're going back to the 2020 points since there won't be any qualifying there. So the things that we can take away from the Gatorade Duels is... One, NASCAR should really take into consideration with the charter system and who actually can race their way into the Daytona 500 and which drivers can sort of be locked into this race because something needs to change right there. Something is not right. Number two, Daniel Suarez and Bubba Wallace are actually really good contenders this year. Um, We thought that they would just be more of like fillers for the um, charter system, but Bubba Wallace has been up front. Um, for the Gatorade duels and as well as qualifying. So he has a really good car. Daniel Suarez in number 99. He said this was his best opportunity. I was like, what the hell? Okay, whatever. And he's doing really, really good. Third thing we can take away is Austin Dillon and Eric Amarola are looking as really good candidates to be on your fantasy roster. I did not include Austin Dillon. He was right there on the cusp, but maybe include him as a your fourth, fifth, or sixth pick. I would put him over Matt DiBandetto and Corey LaJoy. I think Bubba Wallace is still be a person you should take a chance on. And then the people I've already mentioned, Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, Joey Logano, uh, let's, uh, Chris Buescher, Ricky Stenhouse, William Byron, Eric Amarola, Eric Jones. Those guys are all still good. Um, based on what I've seen, they still all look really good. However, you do want to consider Austin Dillon as part of that list. And then the fourth thing, maybe I was being a little too hard on Martin Trex Jr. and Kyle Busch. The main reason why I put these guys on here is their results have not been really good. I don't know if I want to put them in as a top person or not, or even a dark horse, but... If you want to put them in, I mean, they've led a few laps. They could get you some stage points. They could be similar to a Joey Logano. If you're going to want to put them over Joey Logano or Chase Elliott, I don't really recommend that. But if you do have an extra spot, hey, maybe put them in as a six pick. That's all I'm saying on that one. Kevin Harvick, still keep them off your fantasy lineup. Trust me, there are other races that you can guarantee that he's going to score a lot of points.
and that will just about do it for today's episode. Let's first look at the starting lineup for the Daytona 500. I will mention where they're at right now, and then I'll mention the cars that are going to be going to the back. So in row number one, we'll have Alex Bowman, William Byron. Row number two, Eric Amarola, Austin Dillon. Row number three, Christopher Bell and Bubba Wallace. Row number four, Ryan Newman and Kevin Harvick. Row number five, Joey Logano, Kyle Busch. Row number six, Ryan Priest, Chase Elliott. Row number seven, Kyle Larson, Ryan Blaney. Row number eight, Daniel Suarez, Corey LaJoy. Row number nine, Michael McDowell and David Reagan. Row number 10, Jamie McMurray and Kurt Busch. Row number 11, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and Chris Busher. Row number 12, Matt DiBandetto and Brad Keselowski. Row number 13, Denny Hamlin and Martin Truex Jr. Row number 14, Cole Custer and Joey Gase. Row number 15, Tyler Reddick and Chase Briscoe. Row number 16, Eric Jones and Derek Cope. Row number 17, Quinn Hoff and Ross Chastain. Row number 18, Cody Ware and Anthony Alfredo. Row number 19, Josh Balicki and BJ McLeod. And row number 20 will be Austin Sindrick and Kaz Grala. Some drivers that are going to be noticeable ones that are going to be going to the back of the field is going to be Brad Keselowski, Chase Briscoe, Kaz Grala, William Byron, Cole Custer, and Ross Chastain. All of them have to have backup cars for the Daytona 500, so they'll be starting from the rear, which means Austin Dillon, winner of duel number two, will be starting on the front row with Alex Bowman. Also, another thing I wanted to cover on real quick is the Xfinity Series. They just released their entry list. 45 drivers are going to try to race their way in to the Beef It's What's For Dinner 300. What a damn good name for the Daytona International Speedway race. (laughs) Uh, Really? That's the sponsor? All right, whatever. But 45 cars are going to be trying to make it in for 36 spots. Now, of course, if it gets rained out, they will upgrade it up to 40. So we'll see what happens there. And then for the Truck Series... We have 46 trucks that are going to be trying to make it in for the Daytona 500. And then again, 36 trucks can make it in. If it gets rained out, it will be bumped up to 40. That race should be starting in just the next couple of hours from when this uh, episode gets posted. So make sure to tune into that. That's going to be a fun race to watch. I'll make sure to watch it. And other than that, guys, thank you so much for listening to the best and trying out all the rest. Make sure to visit us on NASCARFieldFiller.com. I've been able to fill up the last few remaining minutes of your time, so I'm going to take the car and pull it right on into pit road, collect my last place winnings, and I am out. So you all take care. This has been the Field Filler Podcast.